it puts me in a good mood. I love that music. I just, I, yes, I want to skateboard in slow motion. I want to hold hands with Pam Anderson while I'm carrying Evangeline Lilly. <laughs> I oh, want God. awesome things to happen to that. Such a big show today. Such a big show. There's lots to laugh at. There's lots to bitch about. And there's lots to celebrate. Uh, I'll tell you right now, full disclosure, uh, I'm in the old hometown of Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio, uh, last night, Taylor Swift was in town. She didn't tell me about it. I'm a little miffed, but I guess it was a huge show. It was packed. 21 Pilots are from this town. They've got a new album coming out, and, and people are going crazy about that. So look at that. Columbus having a very, very, very big night. And then in political news, this has nothing to do with Columbus, but this is how we're going to st- start the show off because uh, the Liberty Gypsy just told me something. The Queen of the Gimlets, she just informed me that Hillary Clinton, there, <laughs> there's talk about Hillary Clinton in 2020, and I've got a little bit of a boner. <laughs> I, I, didn't I wanted to know happen. the last part, didn't. <laughs> oh, I want it to happen so bad. Run, Hillary, run. Hillary 2020, she's out of the woods. She's sober. She's got an idea. It's it's wonderful. What's 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 she, now why why do people think Hillary's going to run there, Gimlet? Apparently her super PAC has been very aggressive about fundraising e- you know recently um you know and 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 determined to spend money on opposing things like making sure every democrat in the senate opposes Trump's nominee well that's great Mike Pence can break the tie see you later you're not really spending money on that because Schumer will take care of it and i guess yeah. whatever whatever list they're using um you know, has been has been purchased by the DNC over and over and over again for campaign purposes. So it's just looking maybe a little like she's trying to get back in the mix. Um, what I actually think would be funnier is if Kamala Harris was nominated and Hillary was her vice president. That would be that would be hilarious. That would, that be, hilarious. would be like the karmic awesomeness of politics like has never happened before. I missed uh, the latest uh, Trump rally. I don't even know where it was. But when he was talking about how he wants uh, Elizabeth Warren to won, to, to, to run, and that yeah, was so test. hilarious. When he, he was like doing straight up stand-up. He was oh, doing he – was. he was just flat out doing a comedic bit. He's mm-hmm. like, I want her to run. We'll buy one of those little uh, test results, and I'll gently throw it to her. I'll gently throw it to her, so I so all of its two ounces don't permanently injure her arm. It was hilarious. Oh that hits on every level. Good lord, he's doing a great job as president. <laughs> well, he's at least doing a great job as a comedian. <laughs> oh, he's uh, he's he's crushing it. He's crushing it. It's uh. Listen, and this is what I was talking about on the on the vlog last week. It's it's really it's fear. That's all the Democrats are running on. They're straight up. Everything's flipped. Everything has flipped. Uh, I know people have said this for a long time, but now I really I, I, I really believe it. The people on the right, uh, liberty loving, constitution loving people, we are the uh, we're the outcasts. We're the edgy kids. We're the kids who, uh, if if you go into a restaurant with a, a "Make America Great Again" hat on, somebody's going to attack you because we're the bad that was, guys. 
that was just so awful. But yeah, I mean, even if you look at what's going on with this walk away movement, with the intellectual dark web, this is all now falling down in my mind anyway. And and this is where I definitely think it'll be by 2020. Um, and I may be wrong, but it's really the cultural libertarians. And that's going to include some people from the right and the left who believe in things like free speech and keeping government out of things that government shouldn't be involved in and, and that sort of thing. And authoritarians. I, I don't think Democrat and Republican means that much anymore. Well, here's here's the scary thing. Here's a scary notion. And this is what kind of uh, gets me going every day. It's the appeal of socialism. In a a recent poll, uh, 37% of Americans – I thought this number was insanely high. 37% of Americans thought that we'd we'd be better off uh, as a socialist country. Now, if you just ask millennials, that number jumps up to 44%. That is dangerously close to half. 44% of millennials are like, yeah, socialism. That's the way to go. That's the we, that's a good call. Can we send them all to Venezuela for a week? I like I every really person think... who said that that in a poll, right? Can we just put them on a plane and send them to Venezuela for a week? We we really should. And, and you know what? It's too it's it's funny you should bring that up. But like a lot of other uh, cultures, I know my friends in uh, South Africa, they did this after they. <clears throat> graduated from high school, you take that, what is it, like a, an off year, a travel year, before, after after high school and before college, uh, you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it is. an Australian concept, the walkabout, yeah. Yeah, but like you take a year after after high school and before college and you go to another country and you get a job and you work in that culture. And I tell you, that's one thing. Uh, America, we we totally have to do it. We totally have to do it. These these kids who are in these uh, Shangri La high schools where everything's wonderful and everyone gets an award and everyone's pie is the best pie and everyone wins the race. Go, please go get a job. Get a job in Costa Rica, Costa Rica, which I hear is lovely. But just see how the other half lives. Get a get a job. Try to get a job in uh, in Sweden. And, and and see how they just go experience other cultures for a year. You have to work. You have to pay the bills. You have to do everything. Then come back, and it will it will change the landscape of everything. And if Socialism. you're all about refugees and open immigration, you have to go visit Angela Merkel's Germany. Please. Uh, you know what? I would. I I love that idea. But like, mm-hmm. if it was my kids, I'm like, no, you're not. You're not going to go to Germany. Because like oh, the threat, kids, the, the, the threat of violence. My kids socialism. <laughs> my kids know better, and my kids don't want open borders. But um, I'm saying, if, <laughs> if your kids, if your kids had to journey abroad after high school and before college, you would say no to Germany. Like no, no, no way. No. My, I actually got there's there's actually an internship abroad for one of my children, and I had a choice between England, Germany, and New Zealand. And I said, New Zealand for three weeks. You're not going to Zealand or Germany. (laughs) Yeah, you're not going to. I don't want you literally knifed in the street. Yeah, go to New Zealand. See where the hobbits live. It's a lovely little country. Yeah, no way, Germany. Germany is just, that place is just a wreck. And hey, uh, but but, but you're talking about immigration. Little little publicized story on Germany. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Apparently, Merkel is now saying with Trump's tariffs, that she is willing to roll back the tariffs on U.S. autos. You will not hear that on CNN. You will not hear that on a lot of mainstream media channels. 
but she is actually talking about it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And China was talking about doing something and lowering tariffs on certain products, too. They all will. They all will. But, like, no one, like, and everyone has. Except Mexico. Mexico's well, Mexico won't. They just they just elected some socialist douche. So uh, no, listen, they, Mexico's they elected they elected the leader of the organized crime syndicate is what they yeah. did. Yeah, they're they're a lost <laughs> yeah. cause. I've I've given up on Mexico. Mexico should be paradise. Mexico should be absolute paradise. They've got yeah. everything. They've squandered it. They're morons. They're your friend in high school who's really smart, but but just they just want to keep drinking and getting high all day. And you're like, dude, you're really smart. You maybe you should put down the weed. No, man, I'm doing a doing. So uh, forget <laughs> that they actually, don't. Ex- actually, we should we should have Kurt back to talk about his article on invading Mexico. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm that on the record. Great. I'm on the record as saying I want to take over Mexico. That should be that should be our next state. Let's just take it over. Just take it over, and everybody goes down a step. If you were the president, now you're the governor. If you're the governor, now you're the mayor. If you're the mayor, now you're the head of city council. Everybody just goes back one, and we get Mexico. We'll fix it up, and it'll be it'll be awesome. It'll be it'll be great. Um, but here's here's a, a wonderful thing: uh, the uh, Supreme Court ruling. I, lo- I love the Supreme Court stuff. That's just that's just paying off so well. Everybody who held their noses and voted for Trump because at least he'll get one. He's going to get a ton. And I guess uh, now now we know illegal immigrants uh, don't have the same protections under the Constitution as citizens of the U.S. Well, that, yeah. Well, we all kind of knew that. Um, it's nice. To, it's process- nice to have the Supreme Court say it. Yeah, well, the pre- Supreme Court has been saying it. They, they due process for people who enter the country illegally looks different than due process for an American citizen. And people have pointed out these differences, but it is possible to be deported from the country without ever going in front of a judge. It's been this way for years. It was this way under Obama. It was this way under Bush. I mean, this is nothing new. And they're they freaking have to- out. They have to make it seem new, and there's still that whole thing. No children should be – we shouldn't put children in cages. Like nobody's putting kids in cages. It's all cool. It's all it's cool. Over. Well, and then did you see that AP story? No. What was the AP About story? About the military? Oh, heartbreak. Oh. These immigrants who were promised they could come into the military, they're now having their, their enlistments canceled. Well, the full story looks like this, right? Sometime back in 2014, Obama took this really great program that took foreign nationals who spoke or foreign nationals who were in the US on certain kind of visas who spoke Urdu and and you know, Farsi and and really specialty languages for the security services or had yeah. specialized skills in engineering and allowed them to come into the military. It was called Manvi, I think. On an expedited citizenship path. And there was a serious vetting process to let those people in. Obama decided to administratively shove the DACA kids into that program and basically blew them both up. Because the background check requirements are such that they can't have an illegal relative and be in the program. (laughs) A a relative who's in the country illegally. And also the background check requirements. So around 40 people had their deferments canceled, and they made this sound like this was a new policy of the Trump administration. Guys, the military says, sure, you tested, sign up for this, and if you meet all these requirements, you can come in. If for any reason your background check cannot be completed or you fail, 
they yank your contract with the military. Or if you come to basic training and you're too fat or you can't run fast enough or you don't pass other tests, you're sent home. I kind of like that the military has standards. <laughs> I, they have to. And, and I tell you what, I'm worried that their standards are getting too lax already. And this is, this is the wonderful thing. And this is how the whole fake news thing keeps going. The AP runs with the story. Then when you do the slightest amount of digging, you find out, oh, my goodness, there's, I, there's a very good reason behind that. And it's not it's Trump's fault. Reason. It's someone else's fault. That's the wonderful thing. It's, it's like uh, the, the mask is off. People are, are now realizing that the media is, is in the tank. <laughs> they are in the and tank. Gonna, they like, just, so what do, they what do you say? That, that headline, they did that headline, which was so misleading, and the story was so wrong. Right. I mean, people were correcting it within minutes. Like, no, 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 no. Ten minutes later, they put out a headline that says a Navy SEAL died trying to save those kids in the cave in Thailand. Well, it was a Thai Navy Special Forces person. It wasn't one of ours. And I want to know I, I want to know what the, the Taiwanese like Navy SEAL, what their gear is like. Is that like a <laughs> like a brand new snorkel? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if, I'm a Taiwanese seriously. Navy SEAL. <laughs> Rest in peace. He was trying to do something good, but they were giving the impression that it was one of our special forces that died over in this cave. I love it. I mean, I don't like. I don't like that this guy. 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 I don't like that this guy lost his life. Right. But I, I like that. They tell these transparent falsehoods. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah. It's really good because oh. then people go, well, Trump's calling everybody fake news. Well, look, here's an AP headline. Look, here's the cover of Time magazine. Look, here's another AP story. Look, you cannot – and somebody said this a long time ago. How many stories did they have to retract and amend about Obama? How many stories did they have to go, oops, sorry, we got that long? We got that wrong. We were making Obama – they got, a lot, like they got a lot happened. wrong. They just didn't retract it. <laughs> like oh, on yeah, the Iran was, deal. On the Iran deal, cute story, Ben. Cute story. That's not at all how it is. Oh. It's and and like o Obama and that whole crew is not done. That is nope. not done. The uh, <laughs> the whole uh, organizing for action, the uh, OFA. Boy, They're that's back. a do do a little bit of research on those oh, guys. That'll that'll God. scare you a little bit. You know, he's that's got just, Obama's got twenty full time staffers hooking him up. Organizing for America has got 40 full-time staffers, and, and they're saying that these guys are pulling in anywhere between 6 and $14 million a year. So they're putting together a little war chest, and they got Eric Holder out there uh, with his, like, his quiet little campaign. And this is what always, this is what always gets me. Like, uh, you've got the bombastic stuff that Trump does, but then quietly he's doing this other stuff in the background with the federal courts and the, the appointing judges. And you're like, Ooh, that's great. But, but man, I tell you, you've got Obama and organizing for action, doing this stuff with Eric Holder. And they're trying to redraw all these con, uh, congressional district maps. Woo. It's, it's really dicey. And that's the thing. Like it never stops. It, it's like a glacier. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think Obama's going to slow down. And if anybody thinks that he's like, well, I'm out of politics now. I think I'm just going to hang out and watch my kids go to high school. No, yeah, that no, dude is no. on it every second of every day. Well, and there was actually a terrifying article in Politico. Love, terrify me, scare me. I'm talking about if a Democrat is elected, 
they will expand the Supreme Court to 13 and do what's known as packing the court. And then those things they can't get through legislatively with activist judges, they will accomplish through the court system, just like they did with abortion and, and gay marriage, right? Can't legislate it. Let's get some activist judges to do it. Um, and literally, there would be nothing we as Americans could do about it. Nothing. That is, and that is, that is truly frightening. You were right. You you mm-hmm. you sold that correctly. That is, that is that's terrifying. terrifying. I don't mm-hmm. like it. I don't like it when Supreme Court judges are like, I know this is what the law says, and I know this is what the Constitution says, but here's what I think they really meant. No, 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 no. no. That's no, not. No, 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 I know. It's it's not really a tax. It's a penalty. And here's what they're really trying to look out for you. So let's all just knuckle on. It's terrifying and bad. You guys, uh, and, 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 I, I just want to go on the record as saying, like, I, I feel bad that tight that Thai Navy SEAL guy died. Okay. I was just, I just like don't they don't have the most money in the world, and a lot of crappy products come from Thailand. So the the nature of the joke was uh, that a Thai Navy SEAL doesn't have the best equipment. It's making me laugh right now. Just, just a bunch of Taiwanese people walking through Walmart grabbing snorkels and stuff for kids. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Thai Navy SEAL. Like our guys have like have like stealth uniforms and, uh, you know. They can walk little, through walls, right? Right. And they, have, they have like one man submarines and all the cool shit. Some Thai guys buying a used snorkel and some old flip-flops. Ah, those poor kids. And I tell you what, if I'm the coach, if I'm the coach that told those kids, let's go into the cave, I would just stay. I would just stay. Like, stay in the the cave. The whole world hates you now, dude. (laughs) Like, Like, the whole world thinks that was a really bad idea. What were you thinking? Now, I know people make mistakes. A buddy of mine, uh, a a pretty good friend of mine, would take – he he was – a rafting expert and he would do, you know, the, the Colorado river, grand Canyon, uh-huh. that whole deal. A friend of his tragically lost his life because when it's raining in the mountains, it's a, it's a beautiful day where you are, but that's uh-huh. always the risk. It's like, okay, it's raining. This thing, there could be a flash flood at any moment. And I know it sounds hokey, but it's true. It's why you don't, it's why you don't play around in the LA river. It's like, like you, you don't play with, uh, who's who who t- says okay like hey kids let's go let's go in this cave i know we're a soccer team but let's just go in and let's go all the way back like what, what was the plan what seriously when you reverse engineer it like what was going on there oh there was a great tweet <laughs> somebody tweets elon musk's picture of the vessel that's going to be used to rescue the kids in thailand right yeah and eli <laughs> Elon Musk looks at the picture. He goes, yeah, except it would have had this over here and this kind of system here and da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> Some guy comes back to him and says, oh, my God, you're using tragedy to up your own profile. What's wrong with you, you freaking narcissist? And Musk comes back and says, I may be a narcissist, but at least I'm a useful one. <laughs> I'm like, that dude I is love awesome. That. That's great. That dude is awesome. Okay, hmm. we have we have another awesome guest. I want to I want to get to it right now. Uh, The the hits just keep coming every week. It's just getting better and better. Uh, This week, uh, we're sitting down and talking to one of the founders of the 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 Daily Caller. And he is a uh, 
He's a regular contributor to, I believe, Town Hall. Yep. His name is Derek Hunter, and he's got a new book out called Outrage Inc. It's fantastic. You, we, you got to read this book. All right, everybody, as promised, we, we have uh, Derek Hunter with us. Now, you probably uh, know Derek already because uh, he's one of the founders of The Daily Caller. You can read his stuff in Town Hall, and he's got a really cool name. Derek Hunter, he's a 1950s heartthrob, you guys. No, he's got a new book out, Outrage, Inc., How the Liberal Mob Ruined Science, Journalism, and Hollywood. This is awesome. Derek, uh, how's it going, man? It's going well, Michael. Thank you for having me on the show. Aside from the oppressive heat, everything couldn't be going any better. <laughs> well, it, I, think, I think we're all suffering through the heat wave. Okay, so... Uh, you finished. You finished the book. How how long did this? Uh, is it now? Is this your first book? This is my first book. I did rewrite somebody else's book once, which is a lot easier than doing all the research yourself. It turns out. Uh, but yeah, this is the first one. I never thought so there'd be one, but it's weird. But yeah, this how is does it. it feel, man? How does it? It's got. It's got to be a good feeling. You've <laughs> you've you've got the thing done. It feels weird. It's it's. I imagine this is what running a marathon is like. When you finally get to mile 24, you're in the zone, and, and you're not feeling any pain in your joints and anything. You're just kind of on autopilot. It's a weird feeling that it's finally here because you, you spend nine months writing this thing, and yeah. then another six months they edit it, and they, they argue over the title, and you argue over the cover, and you argue over this and that and the other thing. And then it's out, and you're like, who do I have to argue with now? And then you don't have to argue with anybody. You've got to convince the world that it's worth reading. And it's shifting yeah. gears. It's so was it's it, were, were there arguments about the title? Did you want to call it something else? Or are, you, are you happy with the title you got? Oh, I won the argument, but there were arguments. <laughs> <laughs> there were plenty of arguments. There were arguments over the... Uh, here's a little pro tip for anybody thinking about writing a book. Stick to your guns. It's your name that's on the cover, and they come. the The people at the publishing house, in this case Harper Collins, are very nice people. I had a great experience with them, but their graphic artists don't necessarily have the same vision in their head as you have in yours. And so, some of the cover offerings that uh, and title offerings that they came up with were things that mm, give me a bad one. Be give forgotten. Me Give me, an, give me an example of, like, one of the ones you shot down. Uh, the Liberals' War on Truth. Ooh, the Liberals' War on Truth. That's not bad, though. It's, it's not good, though. Because if you, have that, <laughs> if you have that screaming in your headline, you've immediately alienated half of your potential audience and then another half of the remaining half who aren't necessarily partisan. This, you know, Outrage Inc. or Outrage Incorporated, whichever you want, it's like, oh, what is that? And then you might look at it a little more. You see the signs, the protest signs on the cover. And you think, okay, this could be funny. This could be entertaining. Yeah. It causes you to look at it. If you just see liberals suck in the headline, if you're not of the mindset that liberals suck, you're probably not going to pick up that book. Right. And that, that will book will end up on a big pile uh, of, of books on fire with Laura Ingalls Wilder and Mark Twain. Yeah. Well, mine make... will probably end up there anyway, but for different <laughs> reasons. Hey, I was reading one of your columns, uh, and, and I hope this is in the book because I found this hilarious, absolutely hilarious. That you, you, uh, there's they, the uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center, I, I think it was, said that there's uh, six thousand five hundred active members of the Klan, the Ku Klux yes. Klan, and and how, that is in the book. 
That's it's fantastic. No, and, and that at the WNBA, the most unpopular organized sport, every night they have about seven thousand six hundred and forty-four fans. At any point, the fans of an NBA team on any given night could win a war between the clan. That's yeah. hilarious. On any given night, there are about 1,100 more people at the least popular sport in human history than there are members in the Klan. And you juxtapose that, Michael, with the fact that in 1920, there were 106 million people in the country. Keep in mind, this is, currently we're in a nation of 330 million. In 1920, there were 106 million people in the country and 4 million members of the Klan. That's about 3.5%. So yeah. we've made massive, massive progress in the last 100 years. But to listen to the liberals tell it, there is a racist behind every bush. There is a racist in every pot. I'm we concerned should, there's there, one look, in my one racist is. One racist is too racist too many. Don't get me wrong, but if you're, if the WNBA, any normal, horrible game of that, has more than a thousand people more than the entirety of the Klan in the whole country, you should be able to take a breath and go, you know what, we've made some pretty good progress. We're doing, we're certainly headed in the right direction. But the left would have you believe that there are not only 6,500 racists in the country, but they're all cops. And they're all out there trying to murder unarmed black men, which, again, if you look at the data, is simply not true. It's just you get that impression based on the amount of coverage certain cases get from the mainstream media relative to other cases. It's not done out of ignorance. It's done to manipulate people. And the, the focus of the book is the ways that the left manipulates people to keep them emotional because... Emotion is the sort of the anti-rational thought. Most of the yes. things you've apologized for in your life, I bet, were because you were mad at that particular moment or emotional in some other state at that particular moment where if you had been calm and thinking rationally, you wouldn't have done or said whatever it was you had to apologize for. The left is offering nothing policy-wise, they're just trying to tell you that the Republicans are Hitler and they're going to kill you unless you vote for us. Keep people yes. paranoid, keep people afraid, and you can motivate them to vote when you're not really offering anything at all. How do we get here, and this is like me, the, the big it seems like that's how the left operates and how they've mm. always operated. It's, it's about caring, it's about emotion, you make these gut decisions. Why can't the right start to do that more? Why can, I, I don't see why the right... You know, it, it always seems to me you, you, you've got, uh, you know, like like uh, George Will and the William F. Buckley's. Uh, I'm just talking, it, it's all about facts. It's about facts. It's about facts. And and people, when they're making these emotional decisions, they don't care about facts. Like like Ben Shapiro famously said, facts don't care about your feelings. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and the left is going, hey, feelings don't care about your facts. <laughs> well, the, the Republicans have always been horrible at, at messaging. You would think it wouldn't be that difficult to message the concept of liberty, the concept of non-oppressive government, of personal responsibility. It, it was sort of what we're founded on, a nation of rugged individualists, and it's just inherent. So when you get somebody, here's how a debate works, Michael, in the, in the political world. The Republicans stand up there, they'll have a flowchart. There's, there's Paul Ryan, and wow, he's got a bar graph, and it shows everything. And if you just do this, everybody gets you know, free cake or whatever. And then you cut to the Democrats and they will find the worst case scenario. Yes. And they will trot out the worst case scenario. It'll be a, a sobbing grandmother talking about how she has to eat cat food 
because of her prescription drug prices, and therefore the government must take over all of health care. There's always a giant leap to the conclusion. But the, the thing that people remember is the sobbing grandmother having to eat nine lives, and that's presented as the norm, and then it's coupled with a, this could be you or someone you love unless you follow us, unless you do what we do. Now, the Republicans may have all the facts and data in the world presented in a great PowerPoint presentation, but what people remember is the crying grandmother. Now, you, you have to basically suffer a series of bus accidents and have invested in Pets.com 15 times over with your 401k to get to the point where you're going to be the sobbing grandmother for to eat nine lives and then but something in our brains causes some people to believe that they could that could be them for me and for a lot of conservatives they say if you really care about that grandmother so badly cut her a check or you know maybe give her a sandwich to take away the nine lives yeah but to many other people most people are just too busy to follow the news on a regular basis they just remember that you're one paycheck away from complete and total financial ruin and eating cat food and the democrats are going to protect me from that never mind the fact that where democrats have had generational control like detroit chicago baltimore they've driven the cities into the ground they've managed to convince the people who's economic lives they've absolutely ruined, that the alternative would have somehow been worse if Republicans had tried liberty, had tried freedom. And Republicans, to their discredit, can't seem to counter that. They can't. Donald Trump did in 2016, to a certain extent, when he was in Detroit, and he went to the black church and he said, vote for me, what the hell do you have to lose? Yes. That scared the hell out of Democrats. Because that's an easy argument to make, that nobody had made it until then as a testament to just how dumb Republicans are when it comes to messaging, to have all the facts and data on your side and not be able to sell the concept of liberty. And Donald Trump, in that simple sentence, what the hell do you have to lose, really scared the hell out of them. And that really should be the message. You've tried this for 60 years. Has it worked out? No, it hasn't. What have you got to lose? And the left is now scrambling, going, they're Hitler. That's what you've got to lose. They're going to round you up. They're going to kill you. They keep on taking it up a notch because you can't maintain outrage on an even keel. It always has to be propped up, and it's elevating now because Democrats have less to sell anymore. It's, oh, it's it's. it's a I, find it, I find it hilarious. You like 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 what's going on at the border right now? So so yeah. now uh, Donald Trump and ICE, and that, that's too funny because it's not even ICE's job. Right, but they're they're making it sound like ICE is throwing babies into cages, ripping right. them away from from their mothers, uh, and and every mother is here because there's a hit squad for her in El Salvador because she's been <laughs> printing pamphlets in her basement, and the only way left to go, and this is what I've been saying on 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 my show, is that next next Trump has to eat the babies. I think that's the only way it gets worse. We're we're gonna be we're gonna be Nazi cannibals before this is all over. It really will. And this is what's so uh, frustrating, because it, it, it's absurd. For you and I to look at it, you, you can laugh at it because of the absurdity of it. But then you remember last year when James Hodgkinson took a rifle to a Republican softball practice, or baseball practice, and yeah. tried to kill everybody because Democrats had him convinced that tens of thousands of people every year were going to die because of their health care plan. And if you believe, again, if, if you really believe that Adolf Hitler, too, electric boogaloo, is alive and well and sitting in the White House, you almost have a moral obligation to act. 
you've all had that conversation over some drinks or whatever in college where you're like, if you could go back to 1931 and kill Adolf Hitler, would you do it to stop? All... And everybody's like, yeah, of course I would. Who wouldn't kill history's greatest monster before he had a chance to kill all those people? Well, for the unstable people like James Hodgkinson and the people who, the guy who threatened to take an axe to Rand Paul's family and chop them up, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. It's 1931, we're in Berlin, and Hitler is sniffing around the chancellor. Chancellor, you've got to do something about that. You have a moral obligation to do it. So Democrats' electoral strategy is butting up against the reality of their angry mob that I document in Outrage, Inc., it's which will blow first. Will the election happen or will violence happen? And Democrats, it's a game of chicken. It's an evil game of chicken. They're betting it'll be the election that happens first, but I'm not so sure. I am... Uh, I, I'm... I'm frightened about the the very thing you said i've been concerned about this for a while uh and i remember it was, it was gabby uh, was it gabby gifford who was gabby given Giffords, the, yeah 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 and everybody's like we got to dial down the rhetoric we got to dial down the rhetoric we got it and it's seriously when you and then I'm, I'm not trying to blow things out of proportion but when you when you have maxine waters out there uh talking this smack and, and you got joe scarborough <laughs> out there and and donnie deutsch uh, yeah. literally saying, if you support this president, you are a Nazi. You Literally, you are not. Uh, that's, that's really, really scary stuff. So, uh, yeah, at some point, you already know, if you, if, if you wear a MAGA hat, I've, I've had so many people give me uh, MAGA hats, and I'm like, I'm not wearing that. Right. <laughs> I don't have a death wish. Exactly, and that's, that's the thing. It's the angry, it's always, they, the left always talks about the need to elevate our rhetoric after Gabby Giffords, the New York Times, Paul Krugman said, "This Sarah Palin has blood on her hands. This yeah. is all their fault. Gerald Lochner, the guy who tried to kill Gabby Giffords and did kill six people, I think it was, at that event, and wounded five others, uh, he was no fan of George W. Bush. He wasn't really political. He was insane. He was a monster. But if to the extent that he had political beliefs, it was that he was anti-Bush, he just happened to hate Gabby Giffords as well. He, but that doesn't matter. The left saw an opportunity. They like to, they exploit. They've, they have the memes, they have the legislation ready to go. They're just waiting for an opportunity. So a school shooting is a perfect example. It's now time. We must talk about gun control. Okay, well, what gun control regulations or laws would have prevented this? And they always propose things that wouldn't have prevented this. And they admit yeah. freely, well, it wouldn't have prevented this, but we need to do something. And that is the ultimate gross exploitation, in my opinion. It is, it is straight-up opportunism. If you admit that what you're proposing wouldn't have stopped it, wouldn't have changed anything, but it's what you've wanted for a really long time, uh, you're taking political advantage. You're exploiting tragedy for your own benefit. And that's sick, but it's not portrayed that way by the Donnie Deutsches and the Joe Scarboroughs of the world. And the Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper, uh, just this morning, somebody's got to do something. We got to do something. Yeah. Common. It's always common sense something. Uh, really yeah. quickly, uh, the, the, the Klan statistic and the WNBA thing just made me laugh so hard and it's so fantastic and wonderful that's that's kind of like the science and then and we've covered a little bit of the journalism let's let's talk a little bit about about hollywood and and how mm -hmm. the liberal mob has ruined hollywood uh uh what are your what are your thoughts there specifically on the the entertainment side of it 
Oh, there's so much. I mean, you just look at any one of these uh, pampered people out there with their millions of Twitter followers just spewing the leftist hate. Rob Reiner is, is again, spewing the we must stop this guy. He's just inciting violence. I don't think that they'll be happy until somebody takes a shot at the president. But realistically, if you just, it's much more simple than that. If you want to avoid these people, go to Netflix tonight when you get home. Yeah. Open up the documentaries tab, and you will find documentary after documentary of every left-wing cause there is. Wow, genetically modified foods are going to turn us all into zombie killers. Climate change is going to kill us all. Uh, vaccines will wipe you out. Don't vaccinate your children. Global warming is going to be the end of Earth. And it, some of them are produced by people like Leonardo DiCaprio who isn't, they're not made to make a profit because some of them are so poorly done. They're made to, on a Saturday afternoon, when you go, I want to watch a documentary, and you think, oh, this seems interesting. It's an interesting topic. And you watch it thinking you're watching a documentary when you're not really watching a documentary. You're watching an activist slideshow. Yes. That is one way that they do it. Another way is if you look at the uh, the movies that were made during the last few years of the Bush administration, it was a nonstop string of anti-Iraq war, anti-George Bush movies. Each one lost more money than the last one, but they still churned them out because it was we must it's important we have to weigh in we must register our disgust they are subject to groupthink out in hollywood it's kind of funny because they look at themselves as we're all individuals we're all rebels and yeah. by the way if you disagree with us we will come after you like a rabid spider monkey Ra rebels don't demand conformity rebels yeah. don't demand groupthink but somehow the people who are portrayed as cool, because they're the deciders of what is and is not cool and what gets portrayed as cool, have decided that conformity is cool, and it's con very specific conformity. Your 99.9% your .9 friend is literally your 0.1% enemy if you stray from that thought plantation. It's a, a weird group thinking Hollywood are the cool kids that sort of endorse it, that frame it, and uh, reach a, a much larger audience than a Jake Tapper ever could ever dream of. Well, this is where uh, it, it's 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 funny, and it gives me it gives me hope uh, for the for the future of politics. Uh, the, the social justice warriors have invaded my beloved Star Wars, and in <laughs> and in the, the Mine last too. and in the last Jedi, uh, hey, I'm all for girl power. I, I like the character of Rey. That's fantastic. But when we take a little 20-minute uh, sidebar onto a casino planet so I can learn that capitalism is bad uh, and... <laughs> yeah, and animals are, are exploited by capitalists. No, that, yes. was, that was ridiculous. The whole subplot had absolutely nothing to do with the movie, but it was a little bit of a social justice warrior crap of we need to do this because uh, we have to liberate these animals and we have to destroy the casino because everybody else lives in poverty right and, and they're enslaving children yeah that's going to ruin everything they always put these little messages into it but it, it kind of left the big tent poles alone because the tent pole movies the superhero movies and everything and if you look at the Avengers Infinity War, you could make a case that it's a fairly conservative argument because the, the, the bad guy, Thanos, is making an argument against overpopulation, which is a popular thing amongst the left. It's yes. We, we have a big population boom, and we must therefore have abortion, and we must stop breeding. They also set up an economic retirement system that was totally dependent on there being more people in each new successive generation, so they kind of screwed us economically as well. But you <laughs> could make that argument. But... Um, 
in Star Wars, it's it's just shoehorned in there because they want to sort of say, I'm down with the cause. And, and, and here's, it, here's the, the wonderful notion. Like, a Star Wars money was always money in the bank. That was always yep. money in the bank. But th- there was such a backlash to The Last Jedi, it hurt uh, the movie Han Solo. Solo, which is the first Star Wars movie uh, to ever not make a profit. Yeah, they actually it, it's, they actually lost money, so it's a, it's affecting them, dude. I ha- I've got to pick up uh, a copy of Outrage Inc. because this stuff it, it's weird. I it infuriates me, but it also I, I find just the the, the folly of it uh, just wonderful. The whole the whole. Dude, you had me at at the WNBA. Could <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff yeah. like that in the book because I try and make it. I, look, there's so many books out there about politics that you read and you're like having flashbacks to school, like you're reading a textbook, and it's it's boring and you don't get through it and you just put it down and you never go back to it. I didn't want to be that. I'm mostly I'm I'm naturally a snarky person. I put a lot of jokes in it. I wrote it the way that I talk. It's not written with a bunch of $5 words to try and impress editors into thinking that I'm super-duper smart. It's written so a roofer, which I used to be, could sit down and read it and laugh their way through it. And I found that if you, if you, you probably remember jokes from elementary school more so than you remember any lessons you learned in elementary school and things you laughed at. If you find, true. If you convey something with humor, people retain it more. So that's throughout. I tried to put about a joke per page. Uh, in the book, so and it's not a dry read at all. I that's a hell of a goal. Strongly recommend yeah. the audio version because Derek narrating some of these liberal uh, news stories is absolutely a rip. Yeah, instead of saying "quote this," "quote he said," "quote this," that, and the other thing, I, I do voices because <laughs> I, I don't want to say "quote" all the time, and they're mocking voices. But otherwise, it would just be "quote unquote," "quote unquote," and that that gets a little bit too much. So. Yeah. I tried well, to have Derek, fun with as it. a as a uh, as a stand up comedian and as a comedy uh, writer myself, you are you are absolutely right, and I'm so glad that you wrote this book with uh, such an emphasis on humor, and uh, that's where it's at, man. People remember. People have a ninety percent retention rate for funny stuff, and I am not going to forget to pick up my copy of your book, Outrage Inc. How the Liberal Mob Ruined Science, Journalism, and Hollywood. Thank you so much, man. Uh, next time, next time I'm at the DC Improv, I'm going to ring you up. We're going to hang out. Please do. I don't live all that far from it. That's fantastic. Hey, have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. And congratulations on the book. Thank you. I like that Derek Hunter. I like him. He's I got do that too. 1950s. He's got that 1950s heartthrob name. And then I was thinking about it. It's Tab Hunter. Tab Hunter uh, is the old, the old uh, dreamy McDream a lot. But I like Derek, and he's right. He's right about the whole outrage ink. I gotta oh, read that book. Uh, it was my first audiobook, and I totally recommend if you're gonna do it, do it via audiobook. Because, like I said before, Derek narrates it himself, and it's hysterical. That's fantastic. Like, the way he reads these New York heads, head, Times headlines or this article from Jezebel and this chick like voice, and it's just it, he just mocks them so beautifully through his 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 recitation of the book that it was it was hysterical. And they need to be mocked. And oh my god, uh, we Speaking, got, can, it, I, can I mock go them ahead. right now? Yeah, oh yeah, my god. mock away. Let the best, mockery begin. Best thing I saw today is that the Pride Parade in London, I believe it was. You had lesbians storm the parade to protest the transgender women. Wait, wh- why were the lesbians mad at the transgenders? 
because they're not really women. Oh, that's see, that's yeah. that's that's classic. That's classic Jordan uh, Peterson right there. When it you start classic. getting into the yeah. subcategories, somebody's mm-hmm. getting more attention than this subcategory, and then they get mad. Uh, that's that's I, I great. Actually, I actually had it. I, I heard this phrase, and I can't remember who said it because I would love to attribute it, um, and I can't because I don't remember. I'm getting old, guys. Um, but somebody literally called this whole intersectional philosophy, right, um, as a race to the bottom. Like you well, want it is. to be in the bottom box because you're going to get the most stuff. And the most yes. excuses and the most pity. Like, what kind? Wh- why would you build that kind of system? Because you haven't thought it through. Because oh you haven't. God. That's the whole thing. They haven't thought it through. Like socialism's getting popular because they haven't thought it through, and they see where it, it inevitably goes. And this whole thing of oh, our group is more oppressed than your group. No, we got. We're more oppressed than you. Here's the. Here's. I, I just want to get back to the, the lesbians just, versus the transgenders. St- who I mean, who gonna... wins in a fight? Who wins in a fist fight between uh, angry lesbians and angry transgendered? Uh, I think. I think the transgender did because they're really dudes. Yeah, That's I mean, just like they win, just like they win at track and every other sport they do when they decide they're a girl to compete. See, that's that's a uh, that's a great comedy. That's a great comedy skit right there. Lesbians yeah. versus transgendered in the streets of London. That's got that's got Monty Python written all over it. Oh yeah, Monty Python got in trouble too. Well, they're 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 illegal now, I guess. Well, not illegal. But no, like, no, 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 no. The Apparently guy from the BBC said it'll never happen again. Never again. No, will you have six? Their, yeah. No longer will six white Oxbridge men make a comedy show. No longer. That's like that's uh, so. If you have six of the funniest people who want to make a comedy show for the BBC, the BBC says no because you're all white. It doesn't matter the comedic input. It, and this is hilarious. John Cleese and Terry Gilliam. Uh, Gilliam's was fantastic. Terry Gilliam, who who Cleese references. Cleese is like we didn't have a we didn't have a black guy, but we had a Yank. <laughs> and and nobody was a slave owner. But Terry Gilliam wrote, and I love Gilliam. He uh, he says it made me cry that the idea that no longer uh, six white Oxbridge men can make a comedy show. Uh, n- now we need bliss, uh, blah blah blah, where everyone is represented. It's bullshit. He says I no longer want to be a white male. I don't want to be blamed for everything wrong in the world. I'll tell the world now I'm a black lesbian. My name is Loretta, and I'm a BLT. A black lesbian in transition. <laughs> no, I actually retweeted Cleese because they were going back and back and forth with this, and somebody's like replying to John Cleese in that whole exchange, saying, "Are the Monty Python team having a who can say the most racist thing competition this week?" Cleese goes, "No, we're playing an old-fashioned game called Catch the Idiot." <laughs> <laughs> I love him. It's, I love him. It's so great, and that's and this is the this is the classic thing where if Cleese does it, if Terry Gilliam does it, that is wrong. You shouldn't mm-hmm. do that. That's hate speech. It's racist. Well, well, why isn't it brave? Wait a minute. I thought I thought comedians were the last bastion of hope. I thought when when a when a girl uh, comedian, whatever that annoying chick's name is, at the White House Correspondence Center, that was brave. That was she was telling truth to power. Isn't this isn't this truth to power when Cleese does it or where Terry, Terry Gilliam does it? Isn't it truth to power uh, when I do it or or Owen no, Benjamin or Steve McGrew box. does it? You're in exactly. the wrong box. The two boxes at the top 
who really can't talk about anything anymore are white straight men and white gay men. If you're a well, white man and you're gay, you can't play that card anymore. That's too bad. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know I mean, what. I, they're, they're actually misogynists because they sleep with men. I've actually seen feminists write this, okay? And they're also racist if they put a um, racial preference on their profile. It's uh, it's going to slowly ruin everything. It, and this is the this is the other wonderful thing is this is I guess this is the theme of the show gonna, of us being laugh. the cool. All we're <laughs> all we're trying to do, everyone on the right and uh, the the libertarians, all we're trying to do is we're trying to protect our fun. That's it. Like when 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 we have fun, you have fun. When you have fun, we have fun. But this whole George Orwell, nineteen eighty four. You can't use that word. You can't have that opinion because of this. You guys, the left is going to ruin the fun. I love this. I love this whole new uh, punk rock. We are the counterculture. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because it, you can just see how when they impose these big giant rules, it ruins everything fun. They've ruined Star Wars. They've ruined it. Star Wars is uh, – I recently went back uh, – well, here's here's what happened. Here's what happened. Uh, yesterday they announced that uh, Carrie Russell is going to be in episode nine. And Okay. My, well, I, I, my, my first reaction was, well, okay, she's going to be Ray's mom. Okay, so maybe uh, maybe that's – maybe Luke Skywalker was banging her. I don't know. But it, here, here's – that would be – that would be great too. That would be great mm-hmm. too. Uh, that that would be wonderful but here's the deal like stop introducing it's like the hallmark of bad storytelling if you're reading a book and you're watching a movie uh and all of a sudden you're almost at the end of the movie which is where we are in the in the star wars trilogy we're at the the third act and they introduce a new character that's bad that's really 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 bad everybody you needed to know uh, in Star Wars, the original, you, you knew who they were and you and and what they were doing there by The Empire Strikes Back. You mm-hmm. okay? There's the Emperor. There's Lando Calrissian. Uh, everybody else is there. You know what's going on. We're gonna mess with some of the dynamics. You're gonna find out, you know, that Luke and Leia, brother sister, blah blah blah. But everyone's there. This what they've done to Star Wars, and it all made is, sense. And yes, and they didn't – the whole thing with – and it still makes me mad, and, and I don't want to go off on a huge Star Wars tirade, which I'm completely capable of. But when you set up – when when J.J. Abrams, who's a, who's a fine director, who's a, a fine director. I, I have some beefs with him as a storyteller, but that's I'm, – I'm nitpicking. But he so wonderfully set up. Ray handing the lightsaber to Luke at the end of the episode, at the end of uh, you know the Force Awakens, uh, and then and then to have Ryan Johnson have Luke Skywalker just throw the lightsaber away and all that crap and it, it's and and oh no Luke's not your dad you're 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 the you're the kid from nobody you're you're your parents were peasant all that he just threw everything away let's kill Emperor Snoke let's just bad 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 decision. Not even tell us where he came from. Oh, it's what it's was that. <laughs> it's it's horrible. It's horrible, and that's why Solo didn't make any money, and that's why I'm not. Uh, and that's why I'm not uh, excited about Carrie Russell. Who would be fine? I think you, you think of her as Ray's mom. Okay, that'll be that'd be great. Why didn't you do that in episode two? Tease it. Do something. And it's like. Uh, I think Disney was looking at the Star Wars franchise as easy money and they're like, okay, we kind of know the rules. The rules are everything. The rules are everything. 
the force has limits. It's it's you you've got to respect the rules, and that's what Marvel does so well. That's what Marvel is like. No, no, no. Uh, you know, even even Doctor Strange can't do that. Nope, Iron Man can't do that because he only has this and that. And like right now, you're seeing it once again with uh, Ant Man and and the Wasp. I haven't seen yeah. it, but I guess that's crushing at the box office. Yeah, it's 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 actually Marvel's twentieth in a row box off open box office opening weekend topper number one. So it was number one at the box office this week. I did see it. I'm not going to give you any spoilers because that's the rule. Um, yeah. But totally worth totally worth the bucket of popcorn. Thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly make a great duo in those characters. It's believable and it's fun. I uh, oh how was uh, how was Michael Douglas? Oh, he was great, and so was Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer's in it. Yes, oh, that's she right. Is. That was that was the wife. That was the wife yeah. that they set up. They set it up in the first movie. Imagine and that. And I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. Michelle Pfeiffer with white hair is still one of the hottest women in Hollywood. She is still just beautiful. Uh, beautiful. She is. She's she's stunning. Mm-hmm. She's absolutely stunning. Good for her for for doing that. That's now now yeah. man. Now I want to see it. You gotta go it, see though. it because you, oh, I will. you have to. You have to see the stuff at the end because that's really important. After the credits, now, super important. The end credit scene is it a teaser for the next Ant Man Wasp movie? Is it a te- teaser for Guardians of the Galaxy or is it uh, Infinity War? It's just a teaser. It's just a teaser. Okay. I don't like it when they do standalone ones. They did a teaser it's to one of the a, movies. It's not a standalone. You just you have to watch it very carefully. Do you remember uh, uh, Spider-Man because Homecoming? I missed, it. I missed it, and I was watching it with my daughter. She's like, oh, did you see that? And I'm like, what? And she told me, I'm like, oh, shit, you're kidding. Ooh. Did you yeah. see Spider-Man Homecoming? Mm-hmm. It was great, but the end yep. – the end credit scene yeah, was Captain was America telling Captain you to go America. home. That literally yeah. made me mad. That it made literally me mad made me angry. Yeah, it's like, no, oh, dude. You, you do see Stan Lee in, in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. He does his typical cameo. And it, I think at this point, it's really good to see him because of all of the stuff that's going on in his private world that's a little bit freaky. Well, here's the deal. He's, they said that he was being – he was the victim of elder abuse and then uh, – uh, Kevin Smith said, Stanley, you can come live with me. I'll take care of you. And Stanley said, uh, it's not true. It didn't happen. But now they're saying, yes, it is true and it is happening. And I don't know There's what's going on. There's an investigation and a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah. And um, uh, the creator of Spider-Man, whose name just left that worked with Stanley, he passed away this week. Steve Ditko. Yep. He's one of the he's he's one of the greats. He's one of the unsung uh, heroes of yeah, that so whole says, universe. Uh, just as productive and original and creative as, as Stan Lee always was, but Stan Lee was always the burger, bigger personality. Yeah, you know? yeah, and that's mm-hmm. uh, that's what uh, sucks up all the all the uh, oxygen in the room. I uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> we'll see what happens. I'm trying to remember the other uh, guy's name. The, the guy back. who oh, I'm what? Sorry. No, what? go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, um, no, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember the other guy's name. The the guy who uh, oh man, huge. Marvel Comics, DC Comics guy. Uh, he, oh my gosh, it, it'll come to me. He, he he died ages ago, but he just he gave so much. Stan Lee, you could really make the like like what did you really? 
he always like worked with somebody else. It's not like Stan Lee came in one day and go went Spider Man and like he invented it all by himself or Iron Man. It's like it's it's always a team of wonderfully uh, talented creative people and oh well, I, maybe I'm, he was good at good at putting together the team and recognizing that you know sometimes you need somebody to be able to see the potential in something right yeah even if they're oh, not it's creating gonna, it so Jack Kirby. That's the guy's name, Jack Kirby. He's the guy that gave us uh, Thanos, uh, and he's the he's the guy that gave us uh, these great villains in DC as well. And it's like, uh, without Jack Kirby, none of this happens. Without Jack Kirby, uh, none of this happens. And without Steve Ditko, none of this happens. And uh, yeah. God bless Stan Lee, and I hope he's okay. And I don't know how much longer, like, oh my gosh! I was just about to say, how much longer can Stan Lee be in these movies? Because it's like that's their good luck charm, right? Right. He's like he's like the John Ratzenberger for Pixar. Right. Because <laughs> Ratzenberger, guess what other movie John Ratzenberger is in? The Empire Strikes Back. No. I am not kidding you. I watched because I'm what? like. I think he's like an imperial soldier, but he's got a line. Uh, he's got like a, a credit. He has his character, I believe, has his, has a name. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Wow. There's a little piece of trivia for you. Yes. But it's, just it's, kind a of great, back it's a great piece of bar trivia. Yeah, right. Back to the whole Marvel Star Wars difference. I mean, the big bring difference. For me, I, I said, cared, bring it. I cared about Luke and Leia. I cared about Han Solo. I cared about Obi-Wan Kenobi. I cared about Yoda, right? Oh my gosh. I cared about all of them, right? By the time you got to the prequels, I could have cared less about any of those people. I mean, it was horribly acted. I, I hated them, right? Well, that's that was the problem. That was the problem with... And that, and that, that dude coming out, I voiced Jar Jar Banks, and afterwards I was so depressed. Yeah, you voiced a terrible character that was just terrible. I'm sorry. I don't um, blame I don't that blame. guy. I don't blame I don't blame the dude who did the voice for Jar Jar Banks. That's not his fault. Just like I, I don't blame that uh, that Asian girl who played Rose in The, the Last Jedi or The Jedi, whatever the... the I think yeah, it was The Last... It was just a it's, it's not her fault. She's a getting... stupid outtake. Yeah. She, I mean, I guess she's like, I had to quit Twitter because they uh, don't blame her. You guys don't blame her. No, no. Listen, there's uh, a my buddy, my buddy uh, who now runs. Well, he ran the Roseanne show and now he's running the Connors. I, I've worked with him on a couple different sitcoms. He would always say this thing and I don't know where he learned it, but it's like an old like writer's thing where like we hold the pen. The mm-hmm. writers hold the pen. Ultimately, it's their fault. If it you doesn't have a, hang together. It, yep. And you've got to, with, especially with science fiction and with with all of the Marvel Universe, all of this stuff, science fiction, fantasy, all of it, mm-hmm. you have to be very, very careful because you hold the pen, you are making the rules or adhering to the rules or setting up, and without rules, you're done. Without rules, it's just stupid. Without rules, it's mockable. It, I, it comes back to the, like the Force Awakens, and I and I, this is this is what a geek I am. I went back and I watched The Empire Strikes Back because the Yoda stuff is so powerful, and and mm-hmm. Yoda even says to Luke, "Through the Force, you will see things, different friends, uh, distant, distant. You will see these things, distant friends, distant places, sometimes the future." 
but he they were very specific. It's not like he didn't say, uh, "Then you will can you will you'll be able to carry around a, pe- uh, a set of dice and hand them to your sister. You'll go to these planets and it'll be like you're really there, but your hair will be a little bit darker because you remember." Like he never said, Yoda never said, "You can float through outer space wherever you want and see your enemy that you're secretly in love with without his shirt on." Like that's just stupid. Everything they did in The Last Jedi is just stupid. And the Yoda wow. stuff is so great. Uh, it, when it, he lifts it, up the, the spaceship, it's it's just wonderful. And it's what George Lucas warned him about. He's like, they will mess with the rules of the Force, and then there goes the franchise. Well, and there it went, because I didn't care about anybody in the prequels, and I'm struggling to care about anybody in, in the last three. The only... The only time i have cared about the characters it seems like they can do character development in a standalone because i cared about the characters in rogue one and i cared about the characters in in han solo that's and that's the worst part i mean that's that's mm-hmm. the, the great tragedy solo was a good movie the first act yep. was a little dark they just shot it it was just like the filter was wrong or whatever that was a good movie that was mm-hmm. great fun popcorn chewing fun and rogue and one everything made movie. sense yes. everything made sense and with and, it and when you sense back to the original franchise, yeah, Where and you and you and like you like you said, you worry about the character. Yoda Yoda says to Luke in in uh, in uh, the Empire Strikes Back, he's like, "Don't go. You're not ready to go fight Vader. You haven't finished your training. He will kill you, or you'll turn to the dark side. Don't do it. Don't go. I'm telling you, kid, you're not ready. Don't go. You're worried. Ray, that that I tell you what, Ray, that 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 bitch." picks up a dust mop and all of a sudden she's a Jedi. It's like, how right. did this happen? How did this happen? No training, no nothing. But but in the Marvel Universe, I care about everyone. I care about their story. Like, I, I am just torn up about Gamora. What's oh Star-Lord gosh. gonna do? Right? It's, I mean, I, like, yeah. I, even, I even started to like her sister. What's that oh. purple girl? I just uh, uh, lost yeah. her name. I lost you know it too. She's uh, I, I mean, I, I even hear about her. The only one that even gives me pause, and it's personal. It has nothing to do with Marvel. Is Mark Ruffalo? I just I can't stand Mark Ruffalo, but that's just personal. It has nothing to do with the franchise or how they've developed the character. I, um, it's weird, but like Mark Ruffalo, there's one of those guys, and this is just my opinion. So don't don't sue the show or whatever. But it's like. That dude, what was he ever good in? Like you you go back and maybe he's just one of those character actors or one of these. Maybe he's just incredibly blessed. He's the same person in every movie. He's the same guy in every movie. And like you never catch him acting because he doesn't act. He'll he's just the only- say these lines that you told him to say and and like look hurt or confused. But like that dude – he should watch it. He should watch it. He's got a the best. only the only heart tug I've had for the Hulk is when he like fell through into Doctor Strange's place in Infinity War, and he literally he looked terrified. That's his. That's the thing. That's Ruffalo's bread and butter. He looks scared. He looks sad. That's it. Like in yeah. everything, he did a show for HBO, some miniseries about a, a dude who was get they were fighting AIDS back in the eighties in New York, and I'm like, that's that, that. He might as well have turned into the Hulk halfway through it. You totally would have believed same it. dude. Same, same, same dude. It's like, oh, he's in. He's always in these like socially important movies. Oh, ma, I just found out the woman I love is a lesbian. Oh, I'm sad and afraid. It's like the same dude in every movie. He should, he should do that. Just intercult the 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 Hulk uh, in every single movie. 
Okay, like, I I'm gotta almost, go see. I'm almost gonna have to go see episode ten just because I gotta finish the thing. But I'm like, I'm not excited at all. N- nor am I. Nor am I. And or episode nine. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. episode episode. Well, it feels they like need episode. An episode 10. They need an episode ten to fix everything. You know what? You're not cr- you're not crazy. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talk on the internet about that very thing. There's mm-hmm. a lot of talk. I mean, there was a huge petition to make. Uh, the Last Jedi not have it be official canon to throw it out and like redo the movie, which is insane. That'll never happen. But yeah, you almost need you almost need episode nine to be we're going to we're going to reset everything because mm-hmm. because uh, episode Especially eight was force, such a train wreck. Because it can't do that. It's it's yeah, the force can't do that. Low speed chases. You can't just throw a ship into hyperdrive and ram through and take out enemy fleets. Uh, The whole, it it was just all so bad. It was just all so bad. It was just all so bad. So that's a depressing note. Anyway, I am uh, excited about what's going on. I'm starting a little, uh, um, I'm going further on my cross country trip. Make sure you watch, make sure you watch the vlog this week. Who knows where I'll be? Who knows where I'll be? What madness uh, will erupt? And then, uh, back in Los Angeles uh, for next week's show, and then uh, the week after that, there will be a lot of cool stuff to talk about. A lot. I mean, there's going to be cool stuff to talk about every week. Uh, we got another great interview coming up next week. We're, we're we're doing it. We're crushing it. We're making it happen. And and this is yeah. funny. Uh, last week's video on Facebook. What does the left really want? They wouldn't let us boost that. Our boost no, was no, rejected. We're, we're actually, I think this week's video should be, hey, Facebook, this isn't a political ad. We call it's, it comedy. It's unbelievable. So we're already, we're being rejected. So thanks for sharing those videos. Thanks for telling your friends. Uh, continue on. And let's go out with some sweet, sweet skateboard music. You guys look great. I love what you've done. Your ass looks great in those jeans. I'd wear them out. I'll talk to you later. Later.